And this will be uh, my final uh, sermon on this section. Not my final in my life, but final uh, sermon on this section that we've been looking at past seven weeks. This will be my seventh attempt on these following verses. As far as sanctification is concerned, this will be the sixth sermon. But I'm going to read verse 9, 10, and 11. But we will focus today on the last few words of this great prayer that God has written down for us through the lips of Apostle Paul. Verse 9. In this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in full knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and without fault until the day of Christ. Having been filled with the fruit of righteousness which comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Amen. Those few verses, starting from the love that is growing, abounding more and more, but with full knowledge and all discernment, and approving the things that are excellent, remaining Sincere and pure and blameless until the day of Christ. And bearing fruit of righteousness through Jesus Christ. When you think about it, your Christian life will be that. There's nothing more to add unto this. And there's nothing that you could subtract from these. As I've been saying, this is the complete package, the whole map for a Christian life. So I want you to memorize these verses, three verses. Pray that prayer for you. Pray that prayer for your children. Pray that prayer for our church. So I am going to speak on the glory of God on the three headings. First is this. When you think about the glory, what comes to your mind? Glory of God. So we should start from some kind of definition. I prepared this message, and yesterday my wife was preparing for today's lesson in a Sunday school class. Now we didn't talk about it, each other, but she was asking me, how should she talked about the glory of God to children. We know what glory of God is. It's just hard to describe it. Few concepts, the words that we've talked about many times. In the, New, in the Old Testament, the word has to do with the weightiness. Something heavy. When you come to the New Testament, the word has to do with Brightness. I'm going to quote my professor who said, The glory of God is the 
sum total of all his attributes. Everything you put it together, that's glory. Gehardus Voss, that's another theologian, he says, glory of God is the revelation of the perfections of God outwardly like brilliant light. He always distinguishes what is true inside of God in himself, but also how that manifests itself to the outside world that he created. So we know what this is. It's just hard to um, explain. Let me go one step further. For those of you who know um, the theology of glory, glory of God is such that, properly speaking, we cannot add glory to God's own glory. We say often, rightly so, we say we give glory to God. And sometimes we think by saying that or doing that, we are adding my glory to God's glory. If God had 10, because of my giving glory to Him, it will be 11 now. But that's when the confession comes to our aid. God, listen to this, God has all life, glory, goodness, blessedness, in and of himself, and is alone in and unto himself all sufficient, not standing in need of any creatures which he has made, nor deriving any glory from them, but only his own glory he manifests in, by, unto, and upon them. That's a lot. But what it is describing to us is that God has full of glory in himself. So even if we say all the glory to God, we are not really adding extra glory to God. But we are simply ascribing glory to him. And when we do that, he manifests His glory in and by us. What's, what's the problem? I think problem is this. When we think about glory of God, it is so ineffable, indescribable. It is so outwardly. We kind of know, we kind of know what that is from the scriptures. But we cannot fully grasp it so as I am even trying to explain the glory of God, there is a disconnect. We just don't know how to... I know that God is all glorious, but how can I glorify God in a right way? As I was meditating upon these few verses, once again, God gave me that understanding. We've been talking about verse 9, 10, and 11. At the end of 11, there is to the glory and praise of God. What that means for all of you is this. All that we have learned from verse 9, verse 10, and verse 11 
Second first half. All that you do and become by the grace of God will ascribe glory to God. It's not something that you have to try hard. How am, how am I going to glorify God? You don't have to worry about that. What you have to worry about is verse 9, verse 10, and verse 11. What are those? It's okay. It's okay. What are those? That your love for God will abound more and more. You worry about that. You worry about whether you are growing in full knowledge or you have all discernment. You worry about that. When you come to verse 10, what did we say? Christian life begins from here. What kind of decisions you make by approving things that are excellent. Yesterday we had um, barbecue. But I think to me it was more than a simple barbecue. Why? Because I truly believe that these words really were taught by the Spirit of God to you. You approve the excellent things yesterday. If you had like four children or five children, it is very difficult for you to come out. But you came out. Some people made food. Watermelon. That's watermelon. But think about it. You have a young child, infant child, and you have to go to a shop. You have to choose which one would be sweet watermelon. You have to carry that up. You have to refrigerate it to cool it. You have to cut it, put it, put Joseph in the car, you have to bring that down, you have to drive out. And even, you know, all those moments that I've seen. If I didn't see, for example, Joseph's father yesterday there, how he was just having, just just so, so hard time because of the allergy. I would not have known that it was that severe. So you learn about someone else. I put that in the bulletin, my schedule in Korea, not to boast, but I wanted to give you my testimony. My friend asked me to give a lecture. I've preached before, but I've never given a lecture. Have you? And I would be my, in my own vacation time for about a week or so. So I don't want to do this. But I thought to myself, by approving things that are excellent like that, I will grow. It's natural for us not to do the things that we are not familiar with. And yesterday I've seen many, many of you testifying to that verse 10. Remaining sincere and blameless to the end of the day. Bearing visible fruit, fruit of righteousness, which comes through Jesus Christ. When you worry about that, those, each and every element in there, that life will bring glory to God. Amen? You don't have to write 
10-page paper on that. You don't have to figure it out. It's all explained here. So disconnect that I was feeling, I am sure you're feeling the same way. It's not a puzzle. It's not something that is reserved for the super Christians, some famous people, some big people, big-name people. No, all of you, Christian whose heart is growing with love for Christ and everything follows in verse 10 and 11, God is making sure that you know that kind of life glorifies God. You don't add to it, but you ascribe it to it. But it is God who turns around and He manifests His glory in and by you and your life. And He, yes, He does get His glory. As people look up and say, wow, there must be God through your life. All starting from your heart. Your heart that is recreated by the power of the Holy Spirit through the word that is read, preached. And once you realize what Christ has done for the sinners and you come and grasp Him by your faith, that heart, that born-again heart, that's where everything will flow out of. Verse 9, 10, and 11. And no matter who you are, You could be a mom sitting, struggling with many children. You could be like me, ministering in a small church. But it doesn't matter. As long as you remain faithful to verse 9, 10, and 11 by the power of the Holy Spirit, it is to the glory and praise of God. Second thing is this. It's not simply the glory that we are looking at the end of our lives. When we die, we go into His presence and we are glorified. And we try hard now to glorify God. Well, that's true. But we know from Ephesians that from the eternity past, before the foundation of the world, He chose us, His church, to the praise of the glory of His grace. So it is not simply that I am trying. But when God chose you, He chose you in Christ before this whole earth and the world came into being. But His purpose for you was already laid out by His design to the praise of glory of His grace. What that tells me is this. Glory of God was the design from the beginning. Therefore, the glory of God is not simply our destination. When we try hard, we will just, we'll get there, hopefully. But by God's design, if I may say this, For his church, for his elect, his glory is your destiny. It's not simply destination. It depends on my performance. We need to take that seriously, yes. God has chosen you in Christ before the foundation of the world to the praise of his glory. From all eternity to eternity, we are bound for his glory. So we we have to take comfort in that. It's not simply you looking at your performance today and say, oh man, I'm not doing well today. So I'm not bringing much glory to our God. Well, 
I want you to take that seriously. We, we, we must try by the grace of God. But it is from glory to glory. It is God who has designed it. It is God who has chosen you. God is giving you that grace during that lifetime until the day of Christ. Then we are destined. It's my destiny to arrive at His glory. And it is your destiny, not simply destination. We will get there, but it is designed it in such a way. So, you know, I'm going to quote, quote Van Dixhorn on this point. Commenting on God's decree. That really, the Ephesians is really about God's decree. It says this. The opening sentence of that paragraph in the third chapter of our confession, he says... First, God has his people, his elect. But second thing is this. He has determined that they will be glorified. And that title of that small chapter is Appointed for Glory. So that's the second point. First point was, worry about verse 9, 10, and 11. That kind of life will naturally, inevitably, bring glory to God. Second of all, we are destined for that glory because that's why God made you, made us. And we take great comfort in that. God made sure that we will be glorified. We are appointed for His glory. The third and final thing, in light of Joseph's baptism, and as we are talking about glory today, is this. Practically speaking, the glory of God must be placed at the inception of one's Christian life. Naturally speaking, in verse 9, 10, and 11, we come to the conclusion of it, the whole Christian life. And it gives that impression that only at the end we will be glorified or glorify God because it is to the glory and praise of God. But as I've said in the second point, because we were designed from the beginning to the end for, from glory to glory, as you teach your children, as we baptize him, and as they go back to their, their everyday life, and they are now have to, you know, as they have been, pray, they have to pray for him and they have to teach him. Too, he's too young to understand probably all that they have to teach. But the important thing is that all of us, if you, if you have children, if you are expecting and you'll be a parent, a parent in the future, or even if you do not have children, if you belong to a church, Wisdom is that we need to insist upon God's glory from the beginning of our children's lives. I'll give you homework. Homework is, this week, try to explain glory of God to your children. Next week? Oh, I'm not going to be here next week. In two weeks from now, I'm going to quiz. <laughs> Do that. That's an exercise for you. 
How can I explain glory of God to, to a six-year-old? How would you explain that? Hint is, I will, I will go to the Bible passage where glory of God is manifested, and I will just point to that, all the instances of it. But we stand in a Reformed, Presbyterian Reformed tradition, and as I've been talking about the confession for a long time, and as I return from Korea, I'm probably going to do some, you know, some short series on that confession. Not simply theology of it, we, we could talk about that later, but the practical side of it, what, what does that mean? So when the theologians or pastors at the time, 1643 July 1st, people gathered. 120 were summoned, pastors. And it was during the wartime. King Charles said, if you go, you die. So you had to make a choice. Those theologians or divines as we call them, So when they came to that section, confession is completed, the big document. But now it is time to draw up the catechisms. Oh, I want to teach. At the time, so many people didn't own Bibles. They didn't read. They were were not able to read. So how can I, how can we teach parishioners, the the congregation and the children, how can we teach them the contents of the Bible? That's where the catechism comes in, Q&A. You ask this question, and they answer it back. So first, larger catechism, very first question, what did they ask? What did they ask? Let me read you the very first question that that was designed to teach average Christian something about God and the Bible, the contents of the Bible. Larger Catechism, question one. What is the chief and highest end of man? Answer is, man's chief and highest end is to glorify God and fully to enjoy Him forever. Intentionally, I'm quoting from larger catechism, not from shorter, because shorter is shorter, and we are familiar with it. Larger is a little bit larger and more fulsome. So very first question that the Westminster Divines wanted their people to understand from the inception. You may not be able to... Read the entire Bible. You may not know all the theology, but God made you. And you know what your chief end, your life's purpose is? Average men and women, children. You know why God has placed you on earth? It is so that your end, chief end, will be to glorify God and to fully enjoy Him forever. That's what your life is all about. Imagine six-year-old listening to that. Natural question would be, what does glorify mean? What does that mean? So you have to learn the second question, third question, and so on. May God bless you. We have talked about this important prayer. 
My prayer for all of us is that the short prayer will be reality for all of you, for all of us, to the glory and praise of God, and to enjoy Him while doing that. May God be glorified in and by us. Let's pray.